three uh, disciple-making pillars at Grace Bible Church, regeneration, re-engage, and rooted. You're going to hear a lot about those uh, this month. I've done all of them. I try to always practice what I preach. Regeneration last year was just amazing. And as you saw the video, I know that all of you could relate to something. Why do I know that? Because every single one of us is broken. Every single one of us has sin. Regeneration, a great, great, great ministry. Highly recommend any of these ministries. Have you guys ever noticed that in your marriage, those of us that are married, we have some differences. The way we do things, the way your spouse does things are a lot different than some of the things you do. My wife and I have a lot of differences, and one of the major differences we have is this. I tend to be a little more fast-paced. I get up in the morning, I turn off my alarm, and I get up, and I'm good to go. I'm on those, like the Energizer Bunny, all over the place. I always need to be doing something. One of the famous phrases I have at home with my wife and my kids is, Vamonos, what's next? What's on the agenda? I need an agenda. Let's do something. If we're going to sit and watch TV, let me know so I can program it to do that. <laughs> but my wife, uh, she's more chill. It's up. She's cool. I'm not going to tell you what time she gets out of the house, but she's chill. All right? My wife has a lot. My wife has so many gifts and talents. Wow, it's amazing. But one of the biggest talents she has, as a matter of fact, I'm going to apply her for America's Got Talent. This is what she can do on Saturday mornings. I get up early. I go prepare coffee. I go upstairs, and I put her coffee next to her bed, and I sit and drink my coffee just waiting for her to get up. And she gets up with the aroma of coffee. She gets out of bed. Her eyes are closed. She walks around the bed, into the bathroom, out of the bathroom, sits down, grabs a cup of coffee, starts drinking. Her eyes are closed. And I'm just drinking coffee, eating popcorn. I'm like, wow, wow. One of these days, I'm going to move the furniture just so you can hit. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I love my wife. We're different that way, but we're also different in this way, that by 9 o'clock, my battery's done. I've been up and down all over the place, and my wife is still going. I don't know what kind of life you lead, what pace you're at in your daily lives. Maybe you're like me, maybe you're like my wife, somewhere in between. But no matter how you do life, there comes a moment in your life where your battery runs out. You have to stop. You know, last year, all of us had to take a stop. A pause. COVID has affected the way we do life. However you do life. I don't have to say much about this. Businesses have been affected. Businesses had to shut down. The way we do school, right? I believe that these changes due to COVID in our life have changed a lot of factors that are important in our lives. One of them being church. Around the world, church has been done differently because of COVID, having to slow down. I want to share with you just some statistics I read that churches started doing or have been doing because of COVID, the slowdown, what it occurred. It says that around 90% of churches stopped meeting in person for some period of time. Grace Bible Church was one of them. 
90% of congregations modified their logistics for observing communion when they gathered together. We used to pass bread around and the cup around before we started taking those little cups we just did a little while ago. We had to change our logistics because of COVID. Most closures lasted for uh, 7 to 14 weeks. We were one of those. We closed our doors. We couldn't gather live. And 60% of congregations still watch online. We're no exception. We're not to where we were before. So God has put in my heart this new series, which we're about to begin today, that we've entitled Momentum. I believe that we need to start slowly but surely picking up momentum and be the church, be the people God has called us to be. I want to read to you the definition of momentum. I thought, man, this fits perfectly. Momentum is a strength or force that allows something to continue or to grow stronger or to go faster as time passes on. The property that a moving object has due to its mass and its motion. Church, if we want Grace Bible Church to move either faster or stronger through time, we need to be that mass that pushes it to glorify God, to reach our community, to pick up momentum. So out this whole month of August, we're going to be looking at these particular things. Today, we're going to see what is the church and why church? Why is church important? Next week, we're going to see what disciple making is all about. We are called to make disciples who make disciples. We need to pick up that momentum. After that, we need to see why giving is important. Ouch. Serving. We're all called to serve. We've been giving spiritual gifts. We need to pick up our momentum there. And last but not least, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And we definitely need to pick up the momentum to serve our community and do outreach. That's momentum. That's the series. And I hope you join us from here on out. Because God has a lot to say about those things, about his church and what we're called to do. So today, let's answer those questions. What is the church and why church? What's the importance, the significance of church? So if you got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to Matthew 16. As always, I recommend if you don't have a Bible with you, grab one underneath the chair. That way you get familiarized where the books of the Bible are. Matthew's the first gospel of the New Testament. Matthew 16, we are going to have the verses on the screen behind me. But let me, as always, give you context, which is so important. Now, again, I told you a little bit of how my mind works when I'm reading scripture. I, I picture it in my mind how it goes like a movie. So here's the context before we start reading the verse. Jesus tells his apostles, go out there. Go check out what's going on. And they come back and Jesus asks them, what does the community say about me? ¿Qué dice la raza? Who do they say that I am? Who does Gordiloca say that I am, Right? I'm weird that way, sorry. <laughs> and then all the apostles are saying, well, Jesus, you know, a lot of people say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, but a lot, many, many, many say you're a great prophet. And Jesus walking around, he says, okay, 
who do you all, for me, Jesus was from Texas, who do you all say that I am? Each one of you, my disciples, you've been living with me for almost three years, who do you say I am? And I can picture the, the apostles like, oh, snap. But then Peter, atrabancado como yo, I got it, I got it, I know the answers, choose me, choose me. So let's... Let's look at scripture and see how Peter responds to that question that Jesus asked. Verse 16, it says, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. He says, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, Petros. And on this rock... Petra, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I can't spend too much time on this and this is a sermon within itself. But when Jesus first meets Peter, his name was Simon. And at that moment, he changes his name to Cephas, Peter, which in Greek means rock. Petros. The other word rock we just read, Petra, is a little different. Petros is a stone, a rock that you can pick up and throw. Petros. Petra is a combination of rocks that are a little heavier, just combined together. What is Jesus saying here about his church? He's saying that Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation of the church. And you, Peter, Petros, will be a building block. And the rest of you apostles, Petros, the other stones, are going to build up upon my foundation, the cornerstone, which is Jesus. That's what he's saying. Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ becomes a building block of his church, Jesus Christ's church. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 20. It says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostle Petra and prophets, Christ Jesus being himself the cornerstone. What is the church? You are the church. I am the church. Anyone who puts their trust in Jesus Christ is the church. Jesus being the head of his church church. If you are in Christ, you are in the church. This building is not the church. You guys don't come to Grace Bible Church. You guys are Grace Bible Church. That is the church. And Paul writes to the churches all around. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2, he says this, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Anyone around the world who have put their trust in Jesus Christ becomes part of his universal church. He later writes in chapter 12, verse 12, he says this, For just as a body has one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Again, if you are in Christ, you are the church. You are part of his body. Christ is the head. As a matter of fact, in Greek, the way you say church is ecclesia. 
ecclesia. You know what ecclesia means? Assembly. The gathering together of the saints to be his church. That is the church, the ecclesia, the body of Christ. So why church? Why is church important? Look, I, I don't know why some of you are here. I'll be real honest. I know some of you are here because you were drugged here, right? Come on, you got to go with me. Or not, whatever. I know a lot of us are here because we feel the obligation. We need to check the box. It's a religion. We need to do it. Or si no, no vengo, no cuenta. Some of you may be here with the right motives because your heart is here. Again, I don't know the reason why you're sitting or watching on TV live right now. But what I'm going to do for the rest of our time together is propose to us, through God's word, four reasons why church is so important. Why the ecclesia is necessary for us. So reason number one. To be guided, to be protected. That's why. We all need to be guided. We all need to be protected. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 2a, says this. So I exhort the elders among you. He says, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock that God of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Let me just begin with this. We, as elders of this body, Grace Bible Church, have a huge responsibility to guide and shepherd his flock, his church. I just want to, you guys to be aware of what our board looks like. I am considered an elder of this church body. I am if you want to call it the lead shepherd, the senior pastor, the lead elder of this congregation. We have five other elders, and I want to just present them to you in a picture. That way you know who is responsible of leading, protecting, guiding his sheep. From left to right, we have Tali Garibay, Alex Blanco, Scott Avent, Dominic Valoni, and Rick Lopez. Those are our elders. Those are who God has called to guide his church. And as elders, we have a huge responsibility to shepherd the flock. And Peter goes on and tells us how to. Verse 2b through 3, it says this. We need to shepherd as elders, not under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock as elders. And I'm talking to myself. We need to lead by example. We need to practice what we preach. Huge responsibility that we're called to do. To guide, to flock the shepherds. I mean the sheep of God. Hebrews tells us how big this responsibility is. Hebrews 13, verses 17 through 18. It says this, so talking to the church, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. I capitalize that on purpose. And not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us. 
For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. As an elder of this church, as again, the senior pastor, trust me, I do this with joy. And it's often, it's often that I ask God, why? Why me? There's thousands of other pastors, other elders that can do a way better job than I can. But I say this again with a clear conscience. He knows my heart. I don't know if there's anybody that has more love and joy for his church family than me. I take my ministry super serious. I don't take myself serious. But I take you guys serious. And I'm here to serve you. Because the words I want to hear one day is, well done. Well done. You messed up, cabezón, but well done. I do this with joy. But we also need your prayers. As we're called to do as a church, pray for us. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your pastors that we don't walk away. That we continue to serve the way we're called to serve because the enemy really has a target on our chests and ready to aim, shoot, and fire. Hold me accountable. Hold us accountable so we can guide his church in the way we're called to do so. Why the church? Number two, to be held accountable. It's so important. And not only I do be need to be held accountable, your pastors, your leaders, your elders, but we all need to be held accountable. Look what Proverbs 27, 17 says. Iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. When we assemble, when we ecclesia, when we come together, we can sharpen each other. Grow in Christ together. Be accountable for each other. You can't be a lone ranger in Christianity. Who's going to hold you accountable? How can you sharpen each other if there's no other? Right? Galatians 6.1 says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. None of us, none of us are immune from sin. None of us are immune from temptation. We hold each other accountable. We can come to each other and say, hey man, you're drifting away. Hey man, you're not doing what God has called you to be. You're not living in a Christian manner in this season. Accountability is so important, and we need to come together as this church for that. Luke says this in chapter 17. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. As a church family, as we are gathering together, we need to be okay for someone to come to us and tell truth in love. And we're called to go to someone of our brethren and tell them the truth in love. It's really important. Accountability is why church, that we can't do if we don't gather, can't be held accountable on your own. Other verses, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? For we are members of one another. Truth and love. Don't brush it under the rug. 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, Keep loving one another earnestly. Why? Since love covers a multitude of sins. Why the church? To be shepherded, to be guided, to be held accountable. And number three, to be cared for. We need to care for each other like a family does for one another. 
We need to be caring for each other spiritually. The enemy, like I said, never rests. We need to pray for each other. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Have you guys ever seen a lion hunt? How he goes after his prey? I have. See, you have a flock of, of antelope, deer, whatever, and they're all running because the lion comes out. And as long as a flock are together, assembled together, the lion doesn't attack. Really, he can't. There's too many of them. But he waits until that weaker slower deer gets out of the flock, gets out of the herd, and then he attacks. In the same manner, the devil right now is attacking because so many of us have walked away from church, are trying to do church on our own, have not assembled in community. So like the lion, the devil is prowling and grabbing on. We need to come together and protect ourselves like a family we need to come together and protect ourselves when things are not going the way things should be going in life during our struggles in life. Galatians 6.2 says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is love one another. As a church, we need to come together and help in our needs. When someone is struggling, when someone is ill, pray Maybe offer them meals. When someone just had a baby, take them meals. Take them dinner. We need to share our struggles. That's why I believe regeneration is so key to our lives. We need to be authentic with one another, sharing our burdens. Lastly, number four, why church? Out of obedience. Not out of obligation, but out of obedience. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you say, as you see the day drawing near. I don't need to tell you, church, Christ is returning sooner than we think. And the day is drawing near and near. And now more than ever, we need to assemble as his church, just like the author of Hebrews told us to do. I get it. COVID is tough. We've been praying for so many family members, have and still are, because of COVID. And I know this variant is coming up. I, I'm not belittling the pandemic. But here's what i like us to do. Not because I said so, because he, God says so. Let's not stop assembling. Let's take precautions. We need to come together. Ecclesia, assemble as a church. Wear a mask if you have to. If you're ill, you have pre-conditioning, pre, uh, you know what I'm talking about, conditions, stay home. But let me say this, please don't hear me wrong. If you can gather at Danny's, at Taco Palenque, with your buddies at Carnesada, you can gather here. If you're going to be cautious, be cautious everywhere. Church needs to assemble. It's, it's out of obedience we need to do this. Leviticus 23.3, this is a new international version translation. There are six days when you may work, but on the seventh day is a day of Sabbath, rest. A day of sacred, what does it say? You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. 
let me close with some questions. Do you guys believe that the church is important to Jesus Christ? Oh, obviously. Look at the cross. He didn't die for a religion. He died for his church. So if it was important to Jesus, so important to the point of death, shouldn't it be important to us? Shouldn't church take priority over anything else? If we call ourselves believers, if we call ourselves being in Christ, if we call ourselves the church, it better be important. So throughout these series, I want you guys to ask yourselves these questions let me just say this, if you're new with us here at Grace Bible Church, these questions aren't for you. If you've been attending maybe a month or two months, forget these questions. But those of us that call Grace Bible Church our church, our home, those of us that have been coming for some time, ask yourselves these questions. What would Grace Bible Church look like if everyone assembled like you did? Would I be preaching here to one, two people a month? Would this place be crowded only on Christmas and Easter? What would Grace Bible Church be like if every single person who calls Grace Bible Church their home attended service the way you did? Think about that. What would Grace Bible Church be like if everyone was as connected as you were? Would there be any small groups? Would be, there be any disciple-making? Would I have been here on Friday when we initiated a fight club for the men by myself? Ask yourself. Not to guilt you. Not to guilt you, but just to convict you. Because we are a church family, and every family member has a part to do with a family. What would church, Grace Bible Church, look like if everyone served as you did? Ouch. You like this coffee this morning? Hmm. How many times have you served in the coffee ministry? How many times have you served in children's ministry? Would we have a worship band if people served the way you did? What would church, Grace Bible Church be like if everyone gave like you did? Probably be dark in here, huh? It's cool that we have AC, isn't it? Will we be able to build a new building? Will we be able to have full-time pastors to preach like myself and other pastors? I'm going to say I do this anyways. Will we be able to send other leaders to build other churches to gather his flock? If everyone at Grace Bible Church gave the way you did. This series is going to touch a little bit of nerves. I already know I'm doing so. But this is what God has called his church to be. I'm not saying anything that is not God's word. We become a church that's been so, just a consumer church. Give me, give me, serve me, serve me. We're here, we all have our gifts. And we're here to glean from God's word. We're also called to serve as God's family. So depending on the series, if you ask yourself these questions, depending how you answer these questions, we'll be able to determine if you just come to grace or if you are truly grace. Let's pray. 
Father, we do give you thanks and praise that you are a God that knows, you are a God that is always with us. And Father, I thank you as your word says that you've left us your Holy Spirit to guide us and move us. And Father, my prayer throughout this whole series and beyond that you begin to move, to build momentum, to bring a revival, but it needs to come within us, your church. If we want to reach our community, if we want to bring a revival to our city and a nation, start with me, start with us. Build that momentum that you've called for us to build on. Father, I pray that we be a church that you look down upon and tell every single one of us, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you, love you, my church family.